Chapter Eleven of Book One of the Well at World's End by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven. Now must Ralph ride for it. When he awoke again, the sun was shining through the hazel leaves, though it was yet early. He rose and looked to his horse, and led him out of the hazel copse, and stood and looked about him, and lo. A man coming slowly through the wood on Ralph's right hand, and making as it seemed for the want way. He saw Ralph presently, and stopped, and bent a bow which he held in his hand, and then came toward him warily, with the arrow knocked. But Ralph went to meet him with his sword in his sheath, and leading Falcon by the rein, and the man stopped, and took the shaft from the string. He had no armour, but there was a little axe and a wood-knife in his girdle. He was clad in homespun, and looked like a carl of the countryside. Now he greeted Ralph, and Ralph gave him the seal of the day, and saw that the newcomer was both tall and strong, dark of skin and black-haired, but of a cheerful countenance. He spake frank and free to Ralph, and said, Whither away, lord, out of the woodland hall and the dwelling of the deer and strong thieves? I would that the deer would choose them a captain, and gather head and destroy the thieves, and some few others with them. Said Ralph, I may scarce tell thee till I know myself. A while ago I was minded for the burg of the four thrifts, but now I am for Hampton under Scour. Yea, said the carl, when the devil drives, to hell must we. What meanest thou, good fellow? said Ralph. Is Hampton then so evil an abode? And indeed it was in his mind that the adventure of the lady leg captive bore some evil with it. Said the carl, If thou were not a stranger in these parts, I need not to answer thy question. But I will answer it presently, yet not till we have eaten, for I hunger, and I have in this wallet both bread and cheese, and thou art welcome to a share thereof, if thou hungerest also, as it is most like, whereas thou art young and fresh-coloured. So it is, said Ralph, laughing, and I also may help to spread this table in the wilderness, since there are yet some crumbs in my wallet. Let us sit down and fall to at once. By your leave, sir gentleman, said the carl, we will go a few yards further on, where there is a woodland brook, whereof we may drink where my bottle faileth. Nay, I may better that, said Ralph, for I have wherewithal. Nevertheless, said the carl, we will go thither, for here it is too open for so small a company as ours, since this wantway hath an ill name, and I shall lead thee whereas we shall be somewhat out of the way of murder carls. So come on, if thou trusteth in me. Ralph yea, said him, and they went together a furlong from the wantway into a little hollow place, where through ran a clear stream betwixt thick-leaved alders. The car led Ralph to the very lip of the water so that the bushes covered them. Then they sat down and drew what they had from their wallets, and so fell to meat, and amidst of the meat the car said, Fair knight, as I suppose thou art one, I will ask thee if any need draweth thee to Hampton. Said Ralph, the need of giving the go-by to the burg of the forthrifts, since I hear tell that the folk thereof be robbers and murderers. Thou shalt find that out better, lord, by going thither, but I should tell thee, that though men may slay and steal there time and time about, yet in regard to Hampton under Scour it is heaven, wherein men sin not. And I am one who should know, for I have been long dwelling in hell, that is Hampton, and now I am escaped thence, and am minded for the burg, if perchance there may be deemed there a man good enough to ride in their host, whereby I might avenge me somewhat on them that have undone me, some of whom, me seemeth, must have put in thy mouth that word against the burg. Is it not so? 
"'Maybe,' said Ralph, "'for thou seemest to be a true man.' No more he spake, though he had half a mind to tell the carle all the tale of that adventure. But something held him back when he thought of that lady in her fairness. Yet again his heart misgave him of what might betide that other maiden at Hampton, and he was unquiet, deeming that he must needs follow her thither. The car looked on him curiously and somewhat anxiously, but Ralph's eyes were set on something that was not there, or else maybe he had looked closely on the carl, he might have deemed that longing to avenge him whereof he spoke did not change his face much, for in truth there was little wrath in it. Now the carl said, Thou hast a tear which thou deemest unmeet for my ears, as it well may be. Well, thou must speak or refrain from speaking what thou wilt, but thou art so fair a young knight, and so blithe with a poor man, and withal I deem that thou mayest help me to some gain and good, that I will tell thee a true tale. And first, that the burg is a good town under a good lord, who is no tyrant nor oppressor of peaceful men, and that thou mayest dwell there in peace as to the folk thereof, who be good folk, albeit they be no dastards to let themselves be cowed by murder calls. And next, I will tell thee that the folk of the town of Hampton be verily as harmless and innocent as sheep, but that they may be under evil lords, who are not their true lords, who lay heavy burdens on them and torment them even to the destroying of their lives. And lastly, I will tell thee that I was one of those poor people, though not so much a sheep as the more part of them. Therefore have these tyrants robbed me of my croft, and sent another man in my house, and me they would have slain had I not fled to the wood that it might cover me. And happy it was for me that I had neither wife nor chick nor child, else they had done as they did with my brother, whose wife was too fair for him, since he dwelt at Hampton. So they took her away from him to make sport for them of the dry tree, who dwell in the castle of the scour, who shall be thy masters if thou goest thither. This is my tale, and thine, I say, I ask not, but a deem that thou shalt do ill if thou go not to the burg, either with me or by thyself alone, either as a guest or as a good knight to take service in their host. So now it was that Ralph was wary, and this time he looked closely at the carl, and found that he spake coldly for a man with so much wrath in his heart. Therefore he was in doubt about the thing. Moreover he called to mind the words of the lady whom he had delivered, and her loveliness, and the kisses she had given him, and he was loath to find her a liar, and he was loath also to think that the maiden of Borton had betaken her to so evil a dwelling. So he said, Friend, I know not that I must needs be a partaker in the strife betwixt Hampton and the Burg, or go either to one or the other of these strongholds. Is there no way out of this wood save by Hampton or the Burg, or no other place than I, where I may rest in peace a while, and then go on mine own errands? Said the carl, there is a thorpe that lieth somewhat west of the burg, which is called Apthorpe, but it is an open place, not fenced, and is debatable ground, whilst held of them by the burg, whilst by the dry tree. And if thou tarry there, then they of the dry tree take thee, soon is thine errand sped. And if they of the burg take thee, then thou shalt be left into the burg in worse case than thou wouldest be if thou go thereto uncompelled. What sayest thou therefore? Who shall hurt thee in the burg? a town which is under good and strong law, if thou be a true man, as thou seemest to be. And if thou art seeking adventures, as well may be, thou shalt soon find them there ready to hand. I read thee come with me to the burg, for to say sooth, I shall find it somewhat easier to enter there than if I be in the company of thee, a knight and lord. So Ralph considered, and thought that there lay indeed but little peril to him in the burg, 
whereas both those men with whom he had striven were hushed for ever, and there was none else to tell the tale of the battle, save the lady, whose peril from them of the burg was much greater than his. And also he thought that if anything untoward befell, he had someone to fall back on in old Oliver. Yet on the other hand, he had a hankering after Hampton under Scour, where, to say sooth, he doubted not to see the lady again. So betwixt one thing and the other, speech hung on his lips a while, and when suddenly the carl said, Hist, thou hast left thy horse without the bushes, and he is whinnying, which indeed he was. There is now no time to lose, to the horse straightway, for certainly there are folk at hand, and there may be foemen, and are like most to be. Therewith, they both arose and hastened to where Falcon stood just outside the alder bushes, and Ralph leapt to horseback with more ado, and the car waited no bidden to leave her behind him, and pointing to a glade of the wood which led toward the highway, cried out, Spur that way thither! They have the dry tree aboard this morning. Spur! Tis for life or death! Ralph shook the rein, and Falcon leapt away without waiting for the spur, while the car looked over his shoulder and said, Yonder they come! They are three, and ever they ride well horsed. Nay, nay, they are four, quoth he, as a shout sounded behind him. Spur, young lord, spur, and thine horse is a mettlesome beast. Yea, it will do, it will do. Therewith came to Ralph's ears the sound of their horse-hoofs beating the turf, and he spurred indeed, and Falcon flew forth. Ah, cried the carl, but take heed, for they see that thy horse is good, and one of them the last— had the bent Turk bow in his hand, and is laying an arrow on it, as ever there wanted to shoot a horseback. A turn of thy rein, as if thy horse was shying at a weasel on the road. Ralph stooped his head and made Falcon swerve, and heard therewith the twang of the bowstring, and straightway the shaft flew past his ears. Falcon galloped on, and the carl cried out, There is the highway toward the burg. Do thy best, do thy best, though you again. The second shaft flew from the Turkish bow, and the noise of the chase was loud behind them. Once again twanged the bowstring, but this time the arrow fell short, and the woodland man, turning himself about as well he might, shook his clenched fist at the chase, crying out in a voice broken by the gallop, Ha, thieves! I am Roger of the rope-walk. I will go to twist a rope for the next view. Then he spake to Ralph, They are turning back. They are beaten, and withal they love not the open road. Yet slacken not yet, young knight, unless thou lovest thine horse more than thy life, for they will follow on through the thicket on the wayside to see whether thou were born a fool and hast learned nothing later. Yea, said Ralph, and now I deem thou wilt tell me that to the burg I needs must. Ye forsooth, said the carl, nor shall we be long riding thus, ere we come to the burg gate. Yea, you're even slower, said Ralph, drawing rein somewhat, for now I deem the chase done, and after all is said, I have no will to slay Falcon, who is one of my friends, as thou perchance mayest come to be another. Thereafter he went a hand-gallop till the wood began to thin, and there were fields of tillage about the highway, and presently Roger said, Thou mayest breathe thy nag now, and ride single, for we are amidst friends, not even a score of the dry tree dare ride so nigh the burg, save by night and cloud. Sir Ralph stayed his horse, and he and Roger lighted down, and Ralph looked about him and saw a stone tower builded on a little knoll amidst a wheat-field, and below it some simple houses thatched with straw. There were folk moreover working, or coming and going about the fields, who took little heed of the two when they saw them standing quiet by the horse's head, but each and all of these folk, so far as could be seen, 
had some weapon. Then said Ralph, Good fellow, is this the burg of the four thrifts? The car laughed and said, Simple is the question, sir knight. Yonder is a watch-tower of the burg, whereunder husbandmen can live, because there be men-at-arms therein. And all around the outskirts of the frank of the burg are there such like towers to the number of twenty-seven. For that, say folk, was the tale of the winters of the fair lady who erewhile began the building of the burg, when she was first wedded to the forest-lord, who before that building had dwelt, he and his fathers, in thatched tools of timber here and there about the clearings of the wildwood. But now, knight, if thou wilt, thou mayest go on softly toward the gate of the burg, and if thou wilt, I will walk beside thy reign, which fellowship, as aforesaid, shall be a gain to me. Said Ralph, I pray thee come with me, good fellow, and show me how easiest to enter this stronghold. So when Falcon was well breathed, they went on, passing through goodly acres and wide meadows, and here and there a homestead on them, and here and there a carl's cot. Then they came to a thorp of the smallest on a rising ground, from the further end of which they could see the walls and towers of the burg. Thereafter, right up to the walls were no more houses or cornfields, nought but reaches of green meadows plenteously stored with sheep and kine, and with a little stream winding about them. End of chapter 11